Welcome to Season 1, Episode 9 of the Red Diamond Report Podcast. I'm your host, Wilton Jackson. Today's episode is one that anyone could take a piece of advice from. I sat down with Andre J. Heath, a world-class motivational speaker, a father of three children, and the Director of Communications at West Point Baptist Church in Hattiesburg, Mississippi. My relationship with Mr. Heath stems back to my days as a young sophomore at Southern Miss, aspiring to become a member of my fraternity in 2012. While I was fortunate enough to become a member in the Kappa Oda chapter, my relationship with Heath did not stop there. Not only did he push me and my frat brothers to do right by the objectives of the fraternity as chapter advisor, he pushed me to excel academically, but to stay humble and motivated to achieve at all times. Throughout his life, Heath has experienced many noteworthy highlights and achievements, but as you listen to today's episode, you will find out that his achievements and accolades do not define him. But... More importantly, it was when he hit rock bottom that he found his true purpose and witnessed the true reason of why God blessed him with his gifts and talents. Sit back and get ready as he discusses the power of ambition, becoming a father at 19, wearing a mask as a black man in society, the value of relationships, voting, and more. This is season one, episode nine of the Red Diamond Report podcast. It's not about you. Let's get it. Welcome to the Red Diamond Report podcast with your host, Wilton Jackson. And today we have a very distinguished man um, by the name of Mr. Andre J. Heath. Mr. Heath, it's good to have you on today. Hey, Wilton. It's good to be on. Thank you for the privilege of being on this podcast. I'm excited about what we're going to discuss today. And, and granted, you're right. I mean, we have a lot of great topics to talk about. And for those who may not know, Mr. Heath, I, it goes. our relationship goes back to undergrad. Um, when I was becoming a member, a part of the fraternity, Kappa Alpha Psi Fraternity Incorporated, he was our advisor in undergrad. And he was so much more than just an advisor. He was someone that, you know, if you were having a bad day, you know, with your academics, or if you were just having a bad day in general with things going on in your life, he would, you know, probably call you over to his office and have you sit down and just kind of give you some life lessons on, you know, it's not as bad as it seems, but right now it may seem that way, but you're going to get through it. Well, you didn't have a choice with him. Like, you know, you were going <laughs> to, you were going to get through it, but Mr. Heath, you know, tell us a little bit about you and, and what you're doing now. Great. Great. Hey man, I am just a country kid from Crystal Springs, Mississippi. I moved to Hattiesburg, Mississippi when I was 17, went to USM, uh, pledged undergrad at USM years after I graduated uh, with a bachelor's in psychology from Southern Miss. I became an employee at the young age of 25 at Southern Miss and then later became the advisor for the chapter. Uh, my college sweetheart, my wife, Amy, we have three children, a boy and two girls. Um, <clears throat> man, I've been, I worked there for 18 years. I worked there since uh, 2002, well, 1999 to 2017. And then God redirected my career and my path. And I became an employee of West Point Baptist Church in 2018. I've been there since as the director of connections, where I help people grow closer together and closer to Christ. And man, since that, for these past three years, man, things have just been on a on an increase, God has just really expanded my territory. And um, a lot of what you talked about as far as, you know, bringing people to the office and counseling and them, that's a lot of what I do here. Also, I do some things to help um, strengthen the uh, community within the church, within the body. So I'm in the right place at the right time. 
Absolutely. And that's what it comes down to. I think, you know, we were just kind of talking before that, you know, 2020 is one of those years where, you know, if it was ever anything that you wanted to do, it's now because, you you yeah. know, one, you never know how, how short your time is on earth. And two, you know, you just never know what's going to happen. And I think, you know, it's good that, you know, God has moved you in this direction for you to, you know, give your talents to somebody else or to, to other people in general, because you, you've always given your talents, whether it's from, you know, speaking to leadership or motivating people like this, this, this suits you. Yeah, man. Uh, God has given me a gift to gab. As I say, I am a public speaker. Uh, I've competed in international speaking competitions. I'm the president of a local chapter of Toastmasters. Toastmasters is an organization that helps people overcome their public uh, speaking fears. And man, even during this pandemic, we found ways to help people do that. Um, so here at the church, I have opportunities to, to use that gift to, to help other people. So uh, man, like I said, God is good. So you've always been in that role. Well, when I was in undergrad, you were the role that played the advisor of the fraternity. But then also, you know, you were involved, you know, academically with the university. But the biggest thing that I think me and a lot of other people took away from you is your leadership skills and your determination to succeed. Like, where did that drive come from? Man, it's just like anything that that you develop over time. I didn't have those skills as a youngster. I was an introvert in high school. I really wasn't outgoing. I was shy. It's when I came to Southern Miss and, and being exposed to sharp people, people who saw potential in me and helped me hone and develop some of those skills. As you know very well that our fraternity leadership is what we do, right? Absolutely. Since, since 1911. Right. And that experience cultivated the seeds of leadership leadership in me. And when I joined the university as an employee, I was catapulted into environments where I had to start using some of the things I was taught in the frat, right? And so over time, it just grew, it just grew. And I have a desire to just be better. God's just given me this ambition to be better, um, to progress and never just get complacent. And uh, just over time, I started to develop influence. And I think it's, it's very important for people that may be listening to understand the, the science behind influence is that uh, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. So when I have a genuine concern for people, they allow me to lead them. They give me permission to lead them, to give them guidance. And so it's not about a position. It's not about a title. It's about a a connection, a relationship. So as I grew in relationship with people, they, they afforded me the luxury, uh, the privilege rather, of, of leading them, of giving them advice and, and direction. You talk about that word of influence, but then you also mentioned, you know, to being uh, the, the idea of being better. Define yeah. that that definition, because some people will think, you know, well, he's trying to be better than everybody. Like, you know, like he's better than somebody else. But like, you know, kind of hone in on that fact of just wanting to be better for yourself. Man, that's, that's awesome. I'm glad you said that because um, at one point in my life, the ambition to, to outdo others was misguided. I, I want to be better than that person and better than that person or excel in this area because this person's doing it. As I grew and mature, I started to understand, Andre, there's going to be somebody better than you in everything. You're not, there's always somebody better than you uh, in anything, right? Right. So, Andre, be your best self, be the best version of you. That's what you strive towards. You be the best Andre. 
And so all the things that you can do to improve yourself, that's what you strive towards. And that comparison with other people trying to compete against, man, you'll, you'll wear yourself out trying to compete against people that you think are better than you, have more than you. That's, that's not even the goal. But I had to realize that as I grew and matured, right? So, right. yeah, it's not about being better than someone else. It's about being the best version of yourself. Absolutely. Absolutely right. And that's a great segue to go into this wanting to be better for yourself and, you know, having that influence. You've had some experiences in your life that have shaped you to the man you are today. Talk a little bit about some of those experiences that have made you Andre Heath that people know today. Well, man, I have to I'm 47. I just turned 47 in September, September 20th turn 47 and as I get older, man, I have more time to reflect on my experiences and the lessons God's allowed me to, uh, to learn over the course of 47 years. And as I go back in my mind of, of how I've become who I am, I have to look at the good and the bad, the bitter and the sweet, right? right, right. So there've been times where I've won awards, I've gotten plaques, I've gotten recognition, I've gotten pats on the back, great, good job, Andre. And that feels good. But what doesn't always feel good is when you when you hit bottom. Mm. It's when you when you scrape your knee, when you bump your head, and 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 you don't hear the applause, you don't feel the pats on the back. Those are some of the most important times where there's some very valuable lessons to be learned there. So, for example, when I was um, when I was 19, I had my son, my first child. Um, that was a lesson. Right. Right. That was a lesson in that because I was still a child. I was still right. a young person. And now I have a, a responsibility to another human being and didn't want to repeat some of the mistakes that I that my father made when I was younger. I, I grew up in a single parent home and I vowed that I was going to be very involved in my son's life. And right. so being a youngster, being 19, just joining the frat, I wasn't the best father to begin with. Off, off top, I'm gonna be honest. I was, I was still, you know, sowing my royal oats, as they say. Right. And right. I had to grow up, man, and realize that it wasn't about me. That I got a, a young son. I have a young son that needs a, a responsible father in his life. And so I had to grow up out of being selfish in that area and be more responsible to him. And after five years, I married his mom. Right. It took me five years. Five years later. Oh, yeah. 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 You love me unconditionally. All my mistakes and slip ups. Here you are. And, and I'm looking for love in all the wrong places. And here she is right here under my nose. Right. And I married. Right? And that was one of the best decisions I made. Right. A couple of years later, I had my daughter. So the lessons I learned, that was a lesson about Andre. It ain't about you. Like get over yourself it's not about you there's a bigger calling on your life get over yourself but then still with that man and as a young 30 year old man still making mistakes still tripping up i had to learn that i had defects in character that you know i had some selfish ways i mean i'm just being honest with your audience because uh i don't want to portray an image that i have it all together but man we all make mistakes and i had to learn to andre get over yourself you know you are human you're going to make mistakes but man god has put a a calling on your life to rise above just self, just you. Right. right and so right. I started to have to grow out of that. And, you know, men, we typically take a long time to mature. It takes us a little while longer to, yeah, to finally get. Right. <laughs> so it, <laughs> amazingly, man, it's not until my forties where I'm starting to really get it that, okay, okay. It is not about me. 
right. you know, time is ticking and uh, God has work for me to do. And he's not going to change his MO and the way he operates just not for me. Exactly. <laughs> right. Right. And so, man, I had to learn some 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 tough lessons, man. Uh, um, money management. I was jump to one area of my life, man. It's very important to, to manage your resources. I mean, I can't imagine how much money I done blown on on, on BS. <laughs> you know, I right. can't imagine how much. You know, I, and then once I learned about, okay, man, you know, give God His first, right? Save. You know what I'm saying? And then plan. Right. Position yourself because you know. Uh, time is money and, and money doesn't grow on trees and exactly. if you manage your resources, you know, that you'll see, you'll see yourself benefit, man. I start becoming less materialistic, uh, worried about, you know, what, what I'm driving, what I'm wearing, you know, all that kind of stuff started to go out the window. Uh, man, we can go on and on about some of the life lessons I learned with, with money. Um, some life lessons I've learned about relationships, man. Um, the value of, of friends, the value of true friends, the value of having people that um, can hold you accountable for your behavior, uh, people that you do life with and are connected to is very important. I remember telling you guys this when I was an, uh, an advisor, man, that uh, birds of a feather flock together. And Absolutely. that's why we thrive so well as fraternity brothers, because we, we are excellent men and we sharpen each other. And that's why we're able to grow. So, you know, you mentioned how I was able to help you. But, you know, Wilton, you were an exceptional, excellent young man, uh, just an overachiever. And you rubbed off on me. Your ambition, your drive, it rubs off on me. It rubs off on some of your peers. And that's what it was about. So I learned the importance of my inner circle, um, having the right people in my ear that can help me, that can hold me accountable, that can call me out on my mistakes and then help me you know, to dust myself off and get back to it. So, you know, those are just a couple of things that uh, I learned over the course of my life. Within that, like I said, I can only imagine now at 27, you kind of went through from, you know, the teenage years to the late 20s, early 30s. Like I find myself sometimes asking myself like, okay, God, I know I was going to face some, some, some valleys, but you know, you don't really know you're going through it until you get to it. And yeah. it's like, you yeah. try, you can, it, it, it matters not what you try to do. It's like you, you can plan, you could try to plan for it or try to say, okay, well, I know something like this may happen. But even when you think you have a plan for something that you can kind of, of what you think that you can control, it's like, nope, here's another version of it. This is what you have to deal with. So the, right. the question I want to pose to you is obviously throughout this time in your 47 years of life, you've seen a lot of, you know, as you mentioned, mountaintops, but for every mountaintop, there's a valley. So how yeah. did you really get through those tough times, those times where you in the valley to get back to the mountain? Man, um, in, 2000, in 2017, I went into treatment, rehab, mm. right? Alcohol. And I'm in a, a rehab center for 30 days. Me, <laughs> Dre Heat, right? right? In rehab. And I remember it was around this time of year. It was around October. And I'm looking out. I'm at the, at the facility and I'm looking out over the, the lawn, freshly cut lawn, manicured facility, and tears just going down my face. God had to sit me down, man. Uh, there's a verse of scripture that says, He's making me, He maketh me to lie down in green in pastures. pastures. Yep. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I'm a sheep. He makes me lie down. He had to make me lie down. Because I was, I was 
separated from the flock. I had wandered off in my life and he had to make me lie down. And so as I'm looking out on the lawn and I'm tears in my eyes, I had a sense of gratitude though. It's amazing. God had put a peace in my heart that he says, I placed you here for a reason. Mm. Heal, mend, right? That's what sometimes sheep have to have their leg broken because right. they keep straying from the flock. He had to break my leg, so to speak, so that I can heal and lie down and then finally get it. You understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. And it was in that, it was in that time of my life where I had to do a lot of soul searching, a lot of um, assessment of who I was and why I was. And I had some very close friends that I connect, still connected to that helped me through that period. My family, of course, those friends, those loved ones, they helped me through that time with no condemnation, no judgment. But man, that's that was a pivotal part of my life, a pivotal point in my life where things really started to change is when he had to lie, lie me down and, and, and make me lie down and say, hey, this is time for you to, to, to heal and to mend for a greater cause. And so from that point on, you know, I've had some bumps and bruises, but that pivotal point in my life when I was in treatment helped me to realize my real purpose, my true purpose. And so that's that's one of the that's one of the ways that I've been able to do that. And then the people in my life who helped me um, since becoming a staff member here at the church, man, the people here are so transparent and so um, honest about who they really are. That's, I didn't have that at Southern Mist. If you know anything about working in a very professional environment where you wear suits every day and ties, you have to put on this professional facade. You know, Correct. especially in a PWI, you, and you're one of only a handful of African American men that work there. You you have to walk the walk, right? Right. And man, that that really um, kind of crippled me in being a, a, a an honest, authentic person, right? And so I had all these different masks I was wearing, and you know how I was. You know, I I could speak to the president with a, with a bow tie on, and and, and, <laughs> and then I can go to the club, and I'm kicking it with the brother. Right, right, absolutely <laughs> it right. It was crazy. It right. was crazy. And man, I lost who I really was. And so right. as I become a member of this church and this and this community and this family of of good wholesome people man i learned it man it's okay to take the mask off you really can't help anybody if you're pretending to be somebody you're not absolutely absolutely right, right. Your people can see through that man and then especially in the church people are looking for real they're looking for authentic you know they're not looking for the 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 fake and the holier than now they're looking for something real especially these days and i know god put me in a position where i in a place where i could be me scars and all flaws and everything and Absolutely. still feel wanted and, and appreciated so man yeah <laughs> that's 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 what i've learned you mentioned that you healed and you found your purpose yeah when you say you found your purpose in that moment when did you know when did you know that okay this is my purpose yeah yeah when when he helped me realize that he's blessed me with all those things talent gifts, influence, you know, uh, all those things, but it's still not about you, Dre. I want you to use what I've given you to serve other people. And I've been trying to tell you that your whole life, 
Hmm. Now I got to sit you down. Now I got to you know, put my arms around you and hold, hold you tight you. until you realize what I want you to do. And if you will just yield and submit and stop fighting me, right. then I'll release you once I can trust you with the gifts I've given you and the influence I've given you to serve. And as you serve, I'll, I'll raise you up in due season. In due right. time, you, you'll, you'll grow, but you know, but just let's take some baby steps, but get over yourself. Right. And that pride is something, man. It's, it's very subtle. Um, that sense of uh, self-sufficiency and I got it and I don't need anybody else. And all that stuff, man, it's the, it's, uh, the, the word says pride comes before the fall exactly. <laughs> and a haughty spirit before destruction. And it's true. Right. My sense of selfishness and I got this and I'm, a, I'm, I'm this and I'm that and all these awards and look at what I've done, man. God said, man, I, I gave you that so that you can serve others. You can use your platform form to serve, but you using it for self. Right. Right. And so once I figured out what my purpose was, is to serve and to give of what I have, then, man, doors just kept opening. You know, then I was able to uh, to see what he wanted to do in my life. Man. And he's doing it so so well, in, in his, especially through through his church. It's interesting that you you found your way in your niche in the church and you've already had this idea of being able to talk to people, to counsel people and, you know, kind of hitting back on that aspect of being a motivational speaker. When you speak to people now, um, regardless if it's at the church or just in general, any type yeah. of speaking engagements moving forward, what do you hope people take away from you? That's a good, that's a good question. That it's okay to fail. That failure is part of the equation of success. That it's okay to admit fault but as long as you're true to yourself, be true to you, that you're okay, that we all fall, we all make mistakes. Right. But it's what we do after the mistake that's the important lesson. Right. It's not what happens to you, it's how you handle what happens to you. So right. I hear Mr. Heath on stage and he 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 looks the part and he, he has the words and the fire and the energy, but, but what he said, has some substance because he admitted that he made mistakes and it was those very mistakes that helped him to become who he is. Right. Not all the applause and the plaques and all that stuff, man. You know how we are, uh, Wilton. I still have an award of yours at my house. I <laughs> right. right. I still got, I mean, you were Mr. Achiever. You were over, man. I'm telling you, man. And so you know and that what it feels like to have all those outer trappings of success right but no for me no real substance because you're searching for the wrong thing in the wrong places right. and so once i figured out what my what my reason is for why i do what i do man i can let go of the facades and the masks and the, and the frivolous pursuits of success of what the world says success is right and then just just be who i am and then that's what people appreciate and so i want people to leave with it's okay to be me I am unique. My journey is unique. It's intentional. And, and let me stop trying to strive for what the world says is important because that, that's endless. I mean, once you accomplish this, then there's something else you want. And then there's something else you right. want. And then it almost becomes you. like a checklist. 
Right. It's a checklist. And then there's no real fulfillment. You can have all the money in the world and all that kind of stuff, but you don't have any sense of fulfillment and peace and and, and purpose. And so, man, I'm tired of all that running after that stuff, man. I'm just going to be who God made me to be with the scars he's allowed me to have. And hey, here, use me. (laughs) You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And I hope it doesn't sound too simplistic. Uh, you know, because life is not like that. It's very, you know, intricate. A lot of things that happened to me and that I'm still going through, but I know now why I'm being allowed to go through them. Right. right? Not for me, it's for somebody else. And I have no issue with saying that to anyone. It used to be, well, no, I just got to pretend that I got it all together. And then maybe because I look like I got it all together, somebody will listen to me. No, man, people can't relate to you if you got it all together. Exactly. People can't relate to you if you if you got this picture perfect image because they don't think you know what they're going through because right. you wouldn't understand. They feel you like you haven't understand. had any hardships. Right, had no hardship. Oh man, you wouldn't understand. You you got it all together. No, bro. <laughs> let me tell you, <laughs> right. I've been there, done that. <laughs> let me let you know what I learned. <laughs> right, absolutely right. Yeah. And in terms of being able to be yourself, that goes into a next an, another good question. Being a black man in society today, and you know, we had our quick, you know, our thoughts, questions, issues about that when I was in school. But you know, being away from undergrad and and where we are now in our lives, like as black men, how do we continue to change the narrative? Man, that's a great question, man. Especially during these days, with all that we have going on, uh, yes. we've been having to deal with being black in America since we were born you know right. but it's right. becoming uh, a more of a of a topic uh, considering the, the environment we're in right now um and being black in america uh, comes with a lot of challenges especially a black male mm-hmm. um, you have to develop a thick skin right um you become very aware i've become very aware of the prejudices and the privilege of, of others that I don't enjoy just because of the tone of my skin. The level of melanin in my skin causes me to have to endure certain things that other people don't. And it's not fair. You know what? It's, you know, it's not fair, but life is not fair. Right. And uh, you know, understandably, man, we, we want equality. We desire to be considered equal. Uh, but I do know that God allowed me to be born the way I am the color I am, the race, all that stuff he allowed me to be so that he can use that for his glory in whatever way that is. Does it mean it's going to be easy? Does it mean life doesn't have its difficulties? No, not at all, man. But I know God has allowed me to do that. Um, I shun not to struggle for it is God's gift, right? Hmm. Yep, yep. <laughs> to struggle is to God's gift. Right. Uh, and without struggle, there is no progress. And so with 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 people like, like me and you, Black men of, of achievement and excellence, it comes with the territory that we have to endure some of the uh, uh, injustices uh, that come with our race, but that's why we are who we are. And we can be role models. We can be examples to other young black men, older black men, black men in general of, of overcoming adversity through, through struggle. Considering that, you know, it, there's so many barriers in, 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 in being a black man, whether if it's just from, like you said, this, the color of our skin, one, but then two, you know, trying to maneuver through certain situations of life, whether if it's the workplace, whether if it's the way we carry ourselves in society, the image we care, you know, that we portray um, in society. So 
you know, having seen so many things or, you know, if you watch the news and I'm a reporter myself, so I, I see this all the time, you know, it's either a young black male or, you know, a black person in general, always, it seems as if they're on the, the wrong side of the news per se, in most cases, how do we continue to break those barriers and where do, and where do they start? I believe it really does start at the home. It starts, it starts at home. And oftentimes the home environment is not ideal. Oftentimes when it is, even if it is ideal, you have a mother and father, there's still challenges of raising a black child in, in America, but it begins at home. Um, it begins with, with, with raising or rearing up a child in the way that he or she should go, right? So right. instilling values, instilling morals, instilling principles in your child at a young age that gives them uh, guidance on how to carry themselves in this world. For instance, when I when I was young, manners mattered. Yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Thank you. Please, may I? I mean, literally dr drilled into us, right. and it was very important for me to know those things and carry myself in a way that helped me to have better experiences as I grew up. Right, and so what we're missing in today's society is some of those core values of respect for your elders, respect for others, treat others as you want to be treated. Those sound cliche, but that's, that's what's important. You have to do that, right. right? But we're missing that because we want our kids in certain places, in certain instances to be our friend. We want to be our kids' friend. My mom said, I'm not your friend, I'm your mama. <laughs> you are not my equal. Right. <laughs> I'm not one of those little kids out there. I'm your mama. So Absolutely. Man, I had to learn respect for others, respect for myself, respect for my elders, respect for people. And then that is is, is one of the causes of, I think, the, 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 the decline in how we're treating each other now. No one has any respect, no respect for authority, no respect for themselves. They don't value you, let alone themselves. And and, and we have what, we, what we're getting. Right. You mentioned these things and being that you are a father of three. Yeah. So what are the most important lessons that you constantly still, you know, instill in your kids now that you started when yeah. they were a young age? Unconditional love, man, is very important. It's very important that I let my kids know that whether they they are good or bad, um, I love them and I'm here for them. And I have to... Uh, let them know that they're okay with me. And I, I you know that was one of the things that I had to learn as a young kid. I, I used to try to achieve and achieve and achieve so my mom would love me. I thought that I needed to get straight A's and I had to win all the spelling bees so mama could love me. But I had to realize, man, mama loves you, loves you unconditionally. She loves when you. Nobody else you. does. When nobody else does, mama loves you, right? Right, right. And so that's one of the things that I have to let my kids know is that I love you. I love you regardless of the kind of grades you bring. Of course, I want you to make good grades. Of course, I want you to, you know, treat others with respect and all those things that I'm trying to instill. But I want you to know that I love you, that we love you regardless. So that you don't have to go looking for love in the world. Exactly. Right? The right. world always has something for you. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's only love. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I want you to know that you're valuable right, right where you are. You don't need to have to prove anything to anybody that you have love. So I, I, I adore my kids. I share you're strong, you're smart, you're beautiful, you're talented. You get it at home. So you don't have to go looking for it in the world. 
And in terms of, you know, we you kind of mentioned this earlier, you said the change in, 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 in African-Americans in terms of the community, uh, the change that we want to see, considering what we've seen this year, I mean, with the cases involving Breonna Taylor, George Floyd, Ahmaud Aubrey, like yeah. it almost seems like these these injustices are happening every other week or every other month. I mean, in your space of where you are now, you've seen quite a few things throughout your life. How do we go about, you know, I don't even want to say change at this point. I want to say now navigating through this. I mean, it's sad to say that we have to navigate through this because no, nobody's son, daughter, aunt, uncle, cousin should be getting killed. But how do we deal with this? Man, look, this whole year, I'm going to be honest, I've been traumatized. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm just going to be honest with you. Uh, it's traumatic to see what we've been seeing as far as how we've been treated by law enforcement and just the criminal justice system as a whole. Now we've known it to be true before this year, right? Right, right. But it's in your face when you looking at a man losing his life with a man's knee on his neck. Right. Man, I didn't even, when I, when that video first came out, I didn't, I didn't watch it for a while because I just yeah. didn't want to see it. I didn't want to be re-traumatized. Right. And when I finally watched it, man, it broke my heart. Right. And it just caused me to, I mean, I cried. It's like, this is, I'm, I'm tired. This and you get sick. angry. You're right. sick, you know, and you get mad. And you start looking at people sideways. And you don't even know them. You know, I'm walking in Walmart looking at you like, <laughs> do you condone this? You know, I, right. I mean, honestly, man, it's traumatic. It's it's triggering to be, to be Black in America. And you just see how we are just... Um, or treat it, you know, and, and then, you know, you, you burst into my home in the middle of the night and kill me and, and it's okay. You still haven't been arrested. You still haven't been charged. Black lives to you don't matter. That's just, oops, sorry. You know, you're right. Um, you walking in the park with your dog and your dog's supposed to be on the leash. And I just say, Hey man, please put your dog on the leash. I'm out here bird watching. You know, I'm not being a threat. Oh, I'm, I know how to get you. I'm going to call the cops and say, Hey, this is a black man assaulting me because I know that's how we can we 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 deal with y'all. Mm -hmm. We can call the cops, but we ain't even got to tell the truth, and you're gonna be in trouble. You might even get killed. You know what I'm saying? Right. That is so sad. That's the state of affairs in America right now, and we have a leader that keeps it going. That keeps that that keeps stirring the pot of, of division in our country. And so, man, for me personally, man, it's going it has to be my faith that keeps me from going out here and, and doing something I may regret, you know? Right. So right. I have to, hey, God, I know you see this, man. Throughout the Bible, you've seen your people disadvantaged. You've seen your people being taken advantage of and, and, and abused, and you've always been there for them. You've always been there for us as a Black race. We've had to depend on you. And Lord, I'm depending on you now to keep me sane, because if not, I'm going I'm going to go to the gun shop and and, 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 and and wait for somebody, wish somebody would say something crazy, you know, and that's just flesh. That's just my emotion in response to what I'm seeing. And a lot of us are going through that right now. Right. And, and so what I'm trying to do, bro, is just stay grounded. And, and I know it sounds simple and cliche, but stay close to God to help me see what is happening from his lens. Because in my own natural lens, man, it's it's war out here. Right. I mean, every day it's something going on that causes you to want to fight. Uh, and there's a way to fight. You know, there's a way to to, to battle this. 
um, I know that uh, it's important for us to get involved in our in our city government. Mm-hmm. It's important for us to get involved in our state government. Go to the meetings. Right. I go to my city city council meetings. I go to them, and I'll have to say a word. Right. Just just my presence says, "Watch your mouth." <laughs> right. Because I am here, and I'm taking notes. <laughs> Right, I'm taking notes. Right, I'm in here. Right, right. now, right. you know anything about where I'm, where I live, of the city of Petal? We had a mayor. We have a mayor that said, mm-hmm. if he's, if he can talk, he can breathe. Caused a firestorm across the nation and right. brought negative publicity to the city because the leader of the city basically condones what happened to George Floyd. Absolutely. Oh, man, man, I'm in front of his house. I got signs. I'm in the street. I'm out there like, whoa, and my wife works for this man. She works for the city, right? Wow. But, you know, it's bigger than that. My daughter, man, my teenage daughter, we we, we pick it in, man. Because it's just just ridiculous when, when the leadership condones the behavior and it just makes you mad. So you have to, you know, have to get up and speak up and stand up. So I encourage anybody that's listening, become more civically engaged. Go to the meeting, go to the board meetings, get involved in the life of your children's education, go to the board, be there. You don't have to really say anything, just show up, just be there, right? Vote, vote. You you just said a mouthful in, in, in one word. Vote. Man, I was talking to my brother last night. He's a state trooper. Uh, he, he's just phenomenal. He does a lot of stuff. And we were talking about the importance of voting. And I said, man, I really don't have respect for a person that does not vote. Because your opinions on politics, your opinions on the, the problems in our world don't matter to me because you're not even voicing your vote right you're not even taking so the opportunity that you have I don't want to hear nothing you have do you vote are you going to vote do not tell me my vote doesn't matter man because you just lost my attention I, why am i even talking to you because you you don't vote but you have opinions on with the president and opinions on this and that man get up and get out there and vote man people died white black for you to be able to vote. And we're in Mississippi. Right. Why are they trying you trying to keep you from voting if it doesn't matter? Why does it matter so much that you are willing to kill me for expressing my voice in voting? So, man, we got to get involved. No longer do we need to be sitting on the sidelines and, and, and complaining and criticizing what's happening. If you're not involved, then you don't have anything to say about it. Get in the game, right? Right, and so that's that's one of the things I pride myself on, man. Is just saying, hey, I'm not just going to be. God has given me influence. He's given me a voice, and I want to use it to cause positive change, right? So I have to get out there and say something. And even if I don't say something, my presence says volumes, right? Right. And so, man, and, and not just me personally, but influencing people that I have uh, leverage with to get out and do the same thing. Right. You know, uh, there's power in numbers. And so we just got to get out there, man. I, you know, it's not just, are you voting? Are you helping someone else to get vote, uh, to, to vote? Athletes, you know, have definitely came out and spoken out a lot about all of these issues from Black yeah. Lives Matter to getting ready to vote. I mean, even offering up their uh, facilities for people to come to vote. 
So yeah. where do, what do you think, you know, how do you feel about them actually taking this stance on these issues now more than ever? My hat's off to them that when, when I, when I was uh, marching, when we were boycotting and we were picketing and all these different things, marching in the streets, uh, you know, this summer, I had a sign with Colin Kaepernick on it saying, if I told you so was a person. <laughs> mm. <laughs> and so I'm walking around, people saying, let me take a picture of that, because that's exactly right. Colin Kaepernick tried to do this years ago when he took a knee. Right. Right, right. But now, oh, we're sorry. Now, now we get it. You know, right. NFL commissioner. Oh, we're, I'm so sorry. I didn't get it back then. Well, give him a job if you're so sorry. You know, but anyway, that's what I'm I'm, I'm really happy to see our our athletes, African-Americans in particular, using their platform to bring awareness to this cause. It's so important. Uh, I'm so impressed when you look on the, the end zone and it has Black Lives Matter, or you look uh, up in the up on the bleachers and they have, you know, Black Lives Matter, uh, equality, you know, in the NBA and, it, and it's everywhere. You know, I love to see that. I just don't want it to be a, just a, a campaign right now. I mean, I, re I really want this to be something that they continue. Uh, but you see the athletes with Black Lives Matter on the back of their jerseys or uh, uh, Breonna Taylor, you know, at that point, people were putting her name and Oprah Winfrey's putting it on billboards. All that, that's that's the purpose. And that's, again, going back to your purpose while God gives you a platform for a bigger purpose. Right. So these athletes are getting paid to play basketball, play, paid to play football, and that's great. But they have a platform that now they can bring awareness to things that otherwise they probably couldn't have been able to do on the scale that they're able to do it now. So, man, I, my hat's off are off to every athlete, white or black, whoever, that is using their platform to bring awareness to this cause. And you, and I want to ask this question too, because oftentimes um, it, it just made me think about it as you were explaining the power of the athletes and their influence. Some people often think that when the, the idea of, or the, the, the phrase black lives matter, black lives matter is stated that it's, it's solely on the fact that black people only care about themselves. You know, that's been a, a, a stigma and it's like, you know, every white person is not bad. Every Chinese person is not bad. Every Hispanic person is not bad. I think it's just more so the fact that black people want to make sure and know and let the world know that we are still people just like everybody else. Could you uh, elaborate a little bit about on that? Cool, man. That's that's great. When I was a kid growing up, I grew up in the 70s and there were these ABC after school specials that they would run with cartoon kids. And there was this one particular one where the kids were jumping off the end of a, a, a pot into a uh, the actual pot was like a pool and was a pool of people. And it was called, you know, um, America is the melting pot of the world. I mean, we were, I mean, we're diverse that everybody matters because our diversity is at our actual strength. Right. And so I grew up with that same value, like, man, everybody, everybody matters. Everybody's life is important because they're a human being. Exactly. Right. Um, I grew up during a time where human life was really valued when they shot you in the, in the, in the, in the episodes, you really didn't have, you know, bullet holes, you really, <laughs> you just fell out, you know, because they didn't want to show that type of violence on TV because, you know, humans matter. It right. wasn't as violent as it is now. Now, man, it, anything goes, right? Right. Life, you become desensitized to the value of human life, right? You become desensitized to the value of, of life in general, 
right? And so what we've come to see is that especially because black folks have always been uh, considered second class and we don't even give, we don't even give them the appreciation and, and, and the respect that they should deserve as just being human beings, you know what? It don't matter. No, it does. Lives matter, all lives matter, but black lives do matter, especially now you see that it's important to realize that our lives matter just as much as everybody else. Absolutely. So you hear people saying all lives matter. Yeah, true, all lives matter, but they don't matter until black lives matter. If black lives matter, then all lives don't matter. Right. Because lives matter in general, but we're saying black folks right now need to understand, people need to understand that black lives matter just as much as yours. Right. My life just as much as yours. Breonna Taylor life, life matters just as much as yours. Trayvon Martin's life matters just as much as yours. You know, that's so that's my position on it. Yeah, all lives matter. Yeah, everybody, you know, we're all God's children. True. However, what we've seen is that we have designated certain people, certain type of people to be better than others. It's called it's called racism. It's called white supremacy. Right. So black lives matter just as much as a, a white person's or just as much as anybody else's lives matter, period. God loves us all. But what we're seeing in our own society is that we've given these these grades of, of, of importance to certain people, you know, especially people of color aren't considered as important. Right. As, as, as a white person. And that's just not right. So we got to make sure you understand black lives matter. And then, you know, this is another argument we'll to uh, digress. Uh, well, if black lives matter, why are you killing each other? Hmm. Do they matter to you? Do, do black lives matter to black people? Yes, they do. Absolutely. Yeah. No, wrong is wrong. Crime is crime. Right. So don't 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 use that argument that, hey, uh, because y'all killing each other, your life must not matter to you. You know, the study shows statistics show that people are often killed by people that look like them exactly right? <laughs> so you right. know that's not a that's not a that's not a good argument uh so yeah and, and but i do want us in our own community to value our own lives if we're out here screaming black lives matter then yeah we need to value our own lives as well right. you know you, you live in the capital you know what's happening with crime in the capital of mississippi man and, and it's uh it's sad you know we're we're at a, a hundred hundred murders already and this is the year and even out you know it's so not yeah, even november just, yet yeah even november yet so man we just got to do better in our own communities but man this is a this is a national international uh problem with with how we're treated as people of color well mr he you know like i said i i can really appreciate what you're doing in the church and what you're still doing in the community now and for people to you know kind of follow along with what you're doing even if you're giving any speeches or anything like that how can they how can they follow you and uh stay connected absolutely to you? man absolutely uh we we talk about what we're doing during this time this downtime so to speak man i'm trying to establish my my public speaking business more more uh, effectively man i have peers i have uh, mentors that are helping me get it up off the ground. I want to start my own business, man, to get this LLC uh, started, which is not hard at all. Go ahead and get off my butt and stop procrastinating and make that happen. Uh, get my website going. Um, so that's where I am right now. But if you want to hit me up, man, andre.j.heath at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, Andre J. Heath. Andre at Andre J. Heath. A-N-D-R-E-J-H-E-A-T-H. 
that's how you can get in touch with me. I love to hear from anybody that's looking for the for me an opportunity to share my story. Stay tuned for episode 10 of the Red Diamond Report podcast next week. Until then, make sure to follow the podcast on Instagram at the RDR Report and follow me on Twitter at Wilton Reports and on Instagram at Wilton Reports underscore.